KCI Kindled, creating space for meaningful dialogue, a podcast brought to you by Gunawage Collective Impact. The goal of this podcast is to open up a safe space for community members to have conversations about current social issues, both inter-community and global issues, culture and heritage, and language. This space encourages respectful expression of different opinions and perspectives. The opinions and perspectives expressed belong to the guests of the show and do not represent the views of Gunawage Collective Impact or KSES Gunawage. This episode's discussion contains sensitive subject matter. Please listen with discretion. Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. Hey everybody, welcome back. You're listening to KCI Kindled, creating space for meaningful conversation. This is your host, Karina Peterson, and we are doing the Men's Health series. This is episode six, actually. <laughs> it's kind of awesome that it's been uh, like consistently going forward since November. So that's uh, pretty cool. I know that there's been some space and time in between each episode, but we are doing that thoughtfully because it's just it's uh, one a week or one every two weeks is just it's not possible for a lot of our schedules. But it also gives people time to listen to the episode and digest it a little bit before we jump into the next one. So I just want to introduce our guests on the show today. We have, we'll start with you. Uh, hello, Brent. And we have... I'm Noah. And Noah. Noah, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to get started with just a little check-in. How are you guys doing? You Let's go start first. with Brent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm interesting. I'm feeling a little bit like there's like some nervousness here. Just, and it's interesting, you know, we're, we're a bit more intimate t- today. And I don't know if it's that, if it's sort of the sense of, oh, like you're going to be more on the spot kind of thing. But, uh, or, you know, the steam, there's anyways, a mix of, a mix of, a mix of things. I've had a really relaxing day up until now. Actually took a lot of flex time this morning. So... <laughs> So something about what's going on right now has got the chest getting a bit tense. Mm, The nervous system's activated. Yes. I feel pretty similarly, honestly. I think, yeah, it just being the two of us, there's not not a lot of space to hide. It's very, and it's a pretty vulnerable <laughs> topic. It's, <laughs> yeah, so I think definitely feeling a bit of that tension too. I I can agree with you there because usually we have uh, we have David in the middle here and some Cody <laughs> next to me and John over there in the corner. We have like 8,000 people trying to hop on. But like... Grabbing the mic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's just a really busy time of year, right? And it's, um, it's kind of rough to get everyone on the same same schedule. And as much as people want to be here, it's just it's a time of year. So I mean, like, we can do it. (laughs) Yes. Also, I'm feeling a little bit anxious, I guess, too, because I'm the host. And now I probably have to add more to the conversation as well. So we're all feeling a little bit exposed, I guess, today. Yes. yes. (laughs) Intimate is a good word, too. (laughs) It'll be good, though. Uh, So just to recap, a little a little recap of the last episode, we started to talk about violence. It's sort of been a recurring issue since we started the Men's Health series. Talk a lot about vulnerability. That's another topic that keeps popping up. We talk about relationships. All these things, they're all connected and they're probably going to continue to come up in every single episode. But today's, the next few episodes are going to be specifically on the topic of violence, just because every time we have a meeting, that topic 
just explodes. Like I was just explaining to you guys that the last meeting we have, we have like a whole three page document just on different subjects of violence that we want to talk about. And then today's session is going to talk about literally just the first two points in that document. So it's uh, it's a pretty big subject matter with lots and lots and lots of different material to talk about here. The last episode, we sort of explored it. We talked about it, maybe some of our own personal definitions of what violence is. We talked about how there's just a, from a different lens and not just necessarily the negative connotations of what violence is, but we questioned it like, is it always bad? In cases of survival, in cases of circumstances where your personal safety is at risk, like in those types of cases, is it okay to be violent? We talked about war. We talked about uh, all different types of things in that episode, really just hashing out and exploring mm. all different perspectives of it. So we also talked about how how men have seemed to have like a bit of a shorter fuse when it comes to aggression and violence. And we discussed that a little bit. I'm wondering, Brenton, if you could like remember or recall any of the things that we were talking about there? I mean, it's... it's. <laughs> You're on the spot. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I do remember. That was a closed question. Mm. Yes, to your question. <laughs> I can accept a closed answer. <laughs> yes, he remembers. Mm. Can you... Can you... Dis- <laughs> can you talk more about that? <laughs> well, I mean, we just now we were we were talking about the 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 definition part, and I think in that last episode we we left there. I I I was driving away with David, and we were both having the conversation about oh, like what do you think about some of the some of the ways that we were speaking about the acceptable bits and the the bits that are a bit less acceptable. And we were both like, well, maybe we're not talking about the same things when we're using the when we're using the the sort of broad broad term or whatever. And so just just now we were talking about the difference between assertiveness and aggression just before airing. And I and I did do a quick like Wikipedia <laughs> search. I was like, well, what is it? What does Wikipedia say? I'm no expert on this. And it's interesting how how assertiveness is is uh, in the definition. It basically is like this this attitude that that uh, avoids conflict. But there is this there is this honesty and this di- being direct, um, but it, avoiding conflict. Whereas aggression mm. in the definition, aggression is is sort of seeking the the conflict and 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 something that that is related to causing harm. Uh, and so and so it, it just feels like there's some nuances there to to be sensitive to when we're talking about violence as as a as a as a large thing, and when we want to sort of be in the gray zones of like when when are when is it actually skillful to show to show assertiveness, let's say. Uh, versus when when is it harmful and uh, uh, t- toxic even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting because like we're just going to jump right into it. The terminology bullet on the paper is just the terminology of it, right? Like we have violence as this like umbrella term for it and it neither is or is not. It just exists. And then we kind of put our own connotations to it, right? And then there's aggression, which he said is like sort of meant to cause harm. And like, I didn't know that about assertiveness is that it's actually conflict avoidant. But I could see that now. And we were talking about like, for instance, in the case of like, uh, like uh, the example at the meeting was like a, a woman going into a job interview and she was like, assertive. Well, someone had said aggressive and then it was corrected to be like, well, no, not aggressive. It's assertive. She went in there with a mission. She got her point across. 
She um, didn't let anyone push her around, for example. So it's like it's assertive. And like that makes sense because you're trying to avoid the conflict and you're not trying to harm anyone that way. Yeah. If it, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it speaks to the perception too for people of, you know, in that case, it's like this woman being assertive maybe was perceived as aggressive. And then on the flip side, I've heard a lot of, you know, myself or the men that I've worked with saying that being assertive feels like being passive, you know, that okay. it's sort of on that other end of that. Oh, when I was like um, studying education, there's a bunch of other terms that are tossed around too in terms of parenting where you have like the authoritarian parent the author authoritative parent and then permissive permissive parent and like that's all along the lines of the same terminology too right like authoritarian is like a dictator the authoritative is like you're being more assertive like you're setting boundaries and strict rules and but without the conflict part you're trying not to be con, con conflictual <laughs> i don't know if that's a word <laughs> why not yeah it is now <laughs> i coined it <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, like it's perception. It's all perception again. And uh, while Howie, she's another woman that was at the meeting with us. She she was like, it's also that there's there's a sociological part to it because women who do tend to be more assertive or show their stronger emotions are looked at as aggressive and violent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's interesting that the flip side that men who are more assertive feel like it's passive it's interesting yeah i appreciate that we can speak about the perception of it because it feels like none of us are like the specialists that have the coined the the right quote unquote you know terms in my mind i'm thinking about the word forceful and i'm like even that doesn't even that feel like there's a feeling to it and it's like is that really what i'm when i'm saying someone is forceful like i can think of forcing someone down or something like that and it, again it sort of comes back around to something that feels violent and aggressive and so so there's there's a sense that we can get easily get lost in these in because in we could flip word. it and be like this person was forceful in standing up in their positions and it's not a bad thing they're just standing mm -hmm. their ground right so it's just oh one I wonder what takes us to like the doom and gloom <laughs> right away with these words or two for someone who's never stood up for themselves before and they're going to be assertive in that way and say like this is my boundary that's probably going to feel really aggressive for them you know that might look aggressive to other people who've never seen this person speak up for themselves or not be a, a doormat before it's it's hard like where's that line and i think like you know you all talked about in the last episode around you know these contexts where that violence is appropriate where that aggression is appropriate it's like how do we you know hold space for that and figure out where that line is of when that's called right and this this reminds me of just the other day there was something that came through email about anger management and i sort of had a little a little uh, uh I, you know I, I let myself go off a little bit <laughs> you had a moment <laughs> i had a little moment thank you uh, just just the the what what turns me off on of of that kind of that kind of thing it's like your anger is seen just just it's seen as something that's not good you know and so it feels like we're talking about aggression and assertion and and th these things can probably fall in the same family of the you know this basic or primary emotion of anger which is not in and of itself bad right and yet like when we're just talking about being angry like i think for the for the most part people don't hear that as just oh that's just that's just okay you know it's not it's not the same it's not received the same way as saying i feel happy or or i feel sad or you know or, or whatever you know any other any 
other emotion, you know, it's not received in the same way. Anger has this charge to it and it feels like a part of that is, uh, it, it has to do with perception, but that's been conditioned. You know, there's a conditioning around it. There's this fear that, that if anger like is allowed any room, then it's like automatically going to turn into something. It's automatically going to turn into something bad. And so I wonder how that has an influence on these things that we're trying to like clarify. That's true. And even just saying the word anger, I'm already thinking of the color red. I'm thinking of like all these really like the imagery around the word being angry. If I get angry or upset, like it's the end of the world. Everybody hates me. Like it's a, it's a pretty triggering, I don't even want to say word, but like feeling for a lot of people. It triggers a lot of people, but I guess because it's experience, right? Like if someone is angry, it's usually some kind of traumatic experience that that goes along with it it's like nobody likes to be yelled at or maybe the fight got really out of hand or but that just comes down to expressing it but even expressing it doesn't seem to be okay it's like there's you know only acceptable ways to really express that like I just I remember being you know when I was really young I was a very sensitive kid and when I'd get upset or angry I would cry and that was something that was so embarrassing and so shameful and I just remember like kind of stuffing that down and being like, okay, I have to make sure I don't cry when I'm angry, but I can, you know, yell, I can break something, I can show it in this more like masculine way, but I can't cry because that's embarrassing. Um, and, you know, when I speak with people about the way that anger feels and looks, and when I think about even for myself, when it comes up, it's like, it's that overpowering aspect that I think is so scary to people where they're almost like, okay, I can't feel this at all. Because once I start feeling it, it's like that, that hot rage that you feel in your chest that, you know, it's so funny thinking about men in short fuses. It's like some of the women in my life I've talked to, they don't, obviously they feel angry, but there's this certain kind of rage that I've only ever really heard about other men talking about where it like it's almost scary when it happens and you're like I there can be that shame around that around like why do I feel this rage so intensely like this isn't who I am and there's almost a temptation to want to run from it and feel like okay if I let any part of this out then it's gonna control me. yeah it really it feels like there's something sort of demonized about that. And when you're talking about, it, I'm like, oh yeah, all these things that show up when you're, when you're angry and, and that, that even the, fa even the fantasy part, like images that might, that might show up that are just like super violent, you know, and all of that stuff. It's like, I don't want anyone to know, <laughs> I don't want anyone to know that that's the things that are, that are showing up. And it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm enjoying them, you know, like sort of help, like creating them in my mind. They just, they're just there, you know, there is this sense, like you're saying that it can, it, it sort of feels like it could it could very easily become reality you know and there's something about that that i think is a bit scary and makes and makes it so that that it feels like a very fragile kind of place to be but you know i do wonder about about my own education and and experiences that i've had with anger sort of like you're saying like the experiences that i grew up with with anger was that there was always like violence associated to it and i think that's probably a part of my programming when i'm having these like you know images in my mind or these like this like want to explode kind of thing well a part of me probably believes that that's what's going to happen if you if you give space to this you know yeah it's like we're we're programmed to associate all those angry feelings with like 
the negative violent expression of it. Um, but I have to say that they're like a gender difference here because I'm a woman. Like when, whenever I get angry, it's not I, I have I have a lot of patience, <laughs> a lot of patience. But when I lose it, it's it's gone. Mm. <laughs> like the control is just gone. But I have to say, like on a regular day to day, if I'm angry about something, I've been socially conditioned that it's not OK for me as a woman to be angry. <laughs> It's okay for me to be emotional, but to like, like to be angry, it's like I'm labeled as like a super hostile person if I'm ever angry, like for myself. So I, I can only speak for myself, but this is my experience, but I feel like I don't have the space to even be angry a lot of the times. So like if I cry, if I'm angry, that it's looked at more like normal, I guess, because women cry. <laughs> it's okay because girls cry. <laughs> and it's uh, so even as like a, a woman, I, I don't I can't say that we've learned that I've learned. I can only speak for myself again. I can't say that I've learned healthy, healthy ways to express it either. I, I just remember like because I can't express it, I, I kept a diary since I was 10 years old and I was like haphazardly scribbling all the things things I'm angry about. <laughs> and then I would feel guilty about it. And I would tear it out of my diary and destroy it. Because like, God forbid, I allow myself to have those angry feelings. I was made to feel bad about being angry in cases where I had every right to be angry, you know, so it's a different experience, I guess, for for us, we have to hold on to it. We don't have I mean, we always have an option to destroy things and throw things around. I had some pretty big fights with my brothers growing up. <laughs> but but like it's not it's it's a different experience from what I'm understanding. Yeah. It feels like there's the it's like these polarities, you know, it's the you're speaking about sort of the the suppression of it, you know, mm -hmm. and then and then on the other side is the, like the complete like the complete loss of loss of control where it leads to harm and where it leads to outbursts and things like that. And like just hearing you speak, Karina, there's like, oh, there's like this sadness. Like we have just as a society, we haven't learned to to be angry in a skillful way, you know, and I think of anger and you you use the word control. And I think of anger often as pointing to to experiences where something needs to be different. Right. And anger is letting me know that, you know, like this isn't quite right. And that does speak to my capacity or incapacity to control a certain situation or parts of or elements of a situation. And it's just like those those places are like fundamentally hard places to be in like when we have been trained to be in control when we're experiencing anger it's it's really letting us know that you are not in control here you know there are things going on around you that you don't want happening and you don't have the control over them and it's meant to to, to direct us to to like take care of that but it's like it's like it's it just feels like such a complex place to be and that we haven't we haven't quite been uh educated this feels like a wrong word feels too heady but anyways we haven't been like it has we haven't gotten necessarily the help to like how do I how do I be in that place how do I be in that place where I don't have control and and it feels bad uh, yeah that impulse is to just run from it or make it stop or I want to get it out there's that cathartic sort of right. like I just want to explode on something 
and release it instead of I don't want to look inward. I want to just get it outward. And it's so for me, it feels so scary to look into that. I feel like especially even trying to find those, you know, what are the emotions underneath what it what's going on underneath that anger, which, you know, so far, I, you know, do a lot of emotion regulation with people that I work with. And it's the thing that I hate doing the most with myself. I hate, you know, when I'm upset at my partner, I don't want to look at what's inside because I'm so afraid that if I look underneath that anger, it's just going to be like a black hole question mark that I'm not going to be able to even identify what I'm feeling, you know, because it's I wasn't taught how to name my feelings. I don't know what that is. Like that's even I feel like I'm I'm still learning that so much, even as someone who like is a helper and should know how to do this. It's so much harder to look into your own abyss and then try to even describe what you're feeling under that. I like what um what you were saying, Brent, about how anger is it's a tool, right? We're equipped with all emotions or tools to be able to help us like get through daily life. And um, there's also like physiological things that happen to our bodies, like physically when we're angry, like the heart rate starts to to rise, our muscles tense up, we get like it's stress, right? So the cortisol hormones activated. There's all these things that are happening physically in our body. And it's like, uh, it's it's a trigger, right? It's nervous system response, fight, flight, freeze, all those types of things. So it's like, it's alerting our body that there's something that we're not in agreement with, or there's something wrong or some way to keep us safe somehow, right? So I, I like that just by having this conversation, we're sort of, by exploring the terminology of it, we're kind of taking that negative stigma away from being angry. But it's still so hard right to separate it from that because of experience and everything else but if we were to look at it in a way is that in that it's trying to help us that would change a lot of things for a lot of people i think right and i just like my mind often goes to and so it's going there now like sort of comparing you know like when when i'm sad it doesn't feel good either and there is also Mm -hmm. physiological response there and those things are not comfortable and it's similar in a similar way when i'm angry it's not comfortable you know it it's it doesn't feel good to have those things that you're that you're speaking about happen have all that tension and have all that that energy that is really like it it feels like it's just bringing me to do something like do something you know now mm-hmm. and it's just it, it it just feels so interesting to me how like that energy isn't one that brings you to go internal you know it is really getting you it's ready external. to yet yeah, to do something make something happen right now because you know? it's physical also yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. not just emotions it's physical mm-hmm. So there's something that I learned recently about the cortisol thing. We recently had like a a workshop about stress management. (laughs) (laughs) We could all use a little bit of that, right? But they talked a lot about this cortisol hormone. And um, I mean, I may be wrong, but my memory is recollecting that this hormone, the, the stress hormone is meant to help your body survive. So the cortisol is what triggers the, the fight flight or freeze response in cases of survival. So when we're stressed, our body doesn't typically know the difference between like, oh no, there's a Tyrannosaurus Rex coming to eat us versus like, ah, I'm having an argument with my partner. Like it's stress is stress and our bodies react the same way to it. So like this cortisol is, it's like an energy, a zap of energy, and it's meant to be released to help you survive. And it seems like it ties in with like the anger thing, right? Because it's physiological. You're getting this zap of energy that needs to be released. So like the short fuse discussion that we're having, 
how do we, mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we release that without, without <laughs> pure chaos and <laughs> flipping tables and <laughs> busting up walls and <laughs> each other? And like, how do we do that? I thought even just that sort of first step of understanding the whole process when I'm getting angry, when I'm getting activated, being able to even recognize what's happening in my body, like slowing it down because, you know, it feels so powerless when you're all of a sudden you're activated, you're angry and you're like, this came out of nowhere and now I'm exploding. And, you know, just even learning how to notice, okay, what are those signs that my body's sending when I'm starting to get angry, when I'm starting to get, you know, those signals setting off that cortisol flooding, like, is my heart rate going up? Are my hands sweating? Am I twitching a bit? Am I, are my thoughts racing? Cause I find even, even just knowing, okay, this is what's happening to me right now. It helps with that feeling of that powerlessness. Like, cause that was something for me, like I used to have very bad road rage and it felt so I I felt so powerless because I was like, this is, you know, it's embarrassing. It's scary. Like, I don't want to be so, screaming at someone who cut me off that I don't want to give that person that much power. And even just being able to recognize now when I'm on the road and, you know, I feel that heat starting and I'm like, OK, I'm going to like do a box breathing exercise and calm myself down. And it I don't know it like it. I it's hard because I don't want to say like, oh, I have control over my emotions because I know as a good social worker, that's not how emotions work. But I also <laughs> want control over my emotions. You know, uh, I'm holding maybe that it's truth. A, <laughs> maybe it's a control over behavior. Yeah. And not reactions. so much. Yeah. 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 I still want to control the <laughs> I know. I wish we could. I just turn really them on do. and turn them off <laughs> and be a bunch of apathetic souls just oh. like walking around. I just want to flip a switch and be like, hey, I'm chill now. Like, <laughs> I think there's medication for that. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Can we take that part out? <laughs> oh, man. There's ads all over for that. Sort of you aren't the first to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. But, but it's, it's good. Like what, what, you're, what, what you're saying, Noah, just makes me think again about the, the, the signals. And, and again, that's where I feel like there's, there's, there's something of the, the way conditioning sort of went awry, you know, like if this at an evolutionary level, right, like the body doing what it does is meant to signal my attention towards something, right? Like, like you use the Tyrannosaurus. So that's like, you know, this sort of typical sort of, you know, uh, like, oh, there's like something big, like that you need to watch out for, because it could, you know, it could be life or death, which obviously doesn't happen as much now. But the thing is, it's still a signal, right? Mm -hmm. There may not have been anything behind the bush. And so there's something there to to consider is that it's getting the, the, the system ready. But then if you like what walks out of the bush is like a little chicken or something like that, whatever existed that was small <laughs> back in those days, whatever, you know, like then you wouldn't like, you know, go and grab the chicken and like tear it apart kind of thing. It would be like, oh. The, the system calms down again and it's okay. You don't need to use that energy, right? And so there's something where, where I'm saying the conditioning has gone awry. There's something about like the, like there's there's no more capacity to be with that. It's like, doesn't matter what it is, I'm going off, mm. you know? And there's not even any time to consider like, is it a chicken or is it something that's gonna like tear me apart? It's like, it's like you're already, you're already gone, you know? It's And that's the short, that's the short, the short fuse. fuse bit. And it's like, but so what isn't, 
working here, you know, because this system is a system and it's meant to do something. But how is it that it can just so easily lead to the place where you would you would be in the reaction mode and start those behaviors or whatever? But but they're not even actually necessary because there is nothing that is, you know, that's going to that's going to tear you apart that bit there, you know. So something what you're talking about, the uh, the awareness. No, I really feel like that's like that's a, a big part of it. It's like, can we understand that this is telling us something is going on. That's what it is doing. It's telling us something is going on. And if we can orient to that something, then already there's something that's going to be able to be like, ooh, okay, oh no, it's just like, it's just my partner. You know? Yeah, like, it's not a T-Rex. <laughs> <a> T <laughs> just feels like one. <laughs> I, I think that the part that we're missing is that part to come down and to lower the, the levels in our in our nervous system. Mm-hmm. We don't have that capacity anymore. Yeah. Well, There's like the emotional regulation part is what's missing. Yeah. Because like we're gonna have a part uh, uh, say a fight with our partner, but then we leave our house and then a thunderstorm hits and everything gets ruined. And then you jump in your car and you're out of gas. And then you get to work super late and your boss is yelling at you. So then it's like the stress never stops so mm-hmm, there's yeah. no point in time where people can come back down yeah i was just thinking about that i'm like how many of us wake up roll over and immediately open our phones and just get mad at something for like <laughs> i know i do that all the time yeah. and i just get <laughs> mad at the alarm from yeah. ringing. Like, <laughs> mad at the alarm i'm mad at something on twitter i get on the road i'm mad at the highway i get to work i'm mad. like it's it's hand you know, we're living in this like, you know, capitalistic society right now that requires us to run ourselves into the ground in like a cost of living crisis. Everything's expensive. And it's just how many of us have any time to come back down and to feel any stillness or peace? Like that's, you know, if we really think about it, it's like, am I making that time? Can I even make that time? Like, where would I find that pause? I have a, a story. When I was a, an educator, I, I say this every episode probably, but I learned the most about people when I was working at the daycare. So 18 month olds up to five, the, the really little babies. And I used to have this kid who was like <laughs> a bomb ticking. Mm. Any little thing would just be like explosion, like big display of emotions. Sometimes something is thrown Sometimes it's just stomping. Sometimes it's just a big tantrum and he's throwing himself on the floor. And uh, like there's one, it's just about giving them time and space, right? Like you're also naming feelings for them. You're doing all these things. So it's like there's a few times where I had to pull this kid on the side and be like, you're okay, let's go. Let's go out into the hallway, for example. So right there, I'm giving him the space and protecting all the rest of the children so they don't have to go through that. And then I would just let him throw his tantrum on the floor. Like he needs to get that out. You cannot talk to a kid. You can, you're not going to rationalize logically calm down a kid when they're like that. So when you see them start to like loosen up a bit and they're slowing down and they're not like crying or screaming so much or whatever, then you can like, you're with them the whole time. You're not just like <laughs> scrolling your phone <laughs> while they're like rolling around Taking on the pictures. ground. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're with them. You're like, okay, you know, you're just, just be careful. Like you're with them. You're on the mm-hmm. floor. Your hands are open for them. You're ready to receive them. You're not just like absentmindedly letting them scream. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> 
<laughs> but like once they're calmed down, I would I would take this kid and he'd likely come and like sit in my lap or something like that. And I'm like, you're angry. You're upset. I could see that. Like you're whatever, just showing, telling him like uh, his face is angry. He's stomping his feet. He's doing whatever. I would name the action and be like, you're angry. Okay. But, you know, pushing that kid in there is not okay. Or throwing your lunch bag across the room is not okay. In some instances with some kids, throwing a chair at another person is not okay. Like it's big feelings I'm talking about. Like we would, as educators, sometimes have to protect ourselves from these little kids. Like just because, because they're little people with big feelings and they can't control their behavior like adults can most of the time. (laughs) But with this specific kid, after a while, I'm like trying to think like, what could I do? What can we do to help this kid? And I was like, we came up, I came up with a plan for this kid where we did like kind of start a journal for him to be like, every time you're feeling this or you're starting to feel it, or like you could feel your heart beating a little quicker, like in like little kid words, we're like, go get this journal. You could leave circle. You could leave whatever activity we're doing. Just go, go. We know what you're doing. One of us will go meet you at the table and we'll, we'll be there with you. We'll write it out what you're feeling. So he would literally do that 18,000 times a day, just running to the corner to grab his journal. He'd scribble something, he'd draw a person, he like, whatever, right? And then he would be like, okay, well, tell me about your picture. And then he would say whatever it is he wants to say about the photo and we'd write it in words for him. (laughs) Funny, funny. There's this little girl once, she would not, for whatever reason, stop saying the word donkey. It was the word of the day for her. (laughs) Donkey this, donkey that, you're a donkey, everyone's a donkey. And it was pissing him off. <laughs> They're three and four years old, but it's pissing him off so bad that he like got up, ran and got his journal, drew her as a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> And like, it was all like scribbly and haphazard because it's angry feelings on paper. And then he goes, now there, now she's a donkey. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. And it Mm. like, eventually it totally stopped his tantrums. He stopped the tantrums and he even went to use that journal less and less and less throughout the year where it went from maybe 18 times a day down to 10, down to maybe three, down to almost none. So it was it was like amazing for this one kid to be able to be given a tool to get his feelings out and to be shown like that his feeling was not bad to have. It's just that there's appropriate ways to show it. I feel like saying that my my sense is that it's not the tool like sounds like it worked. Right. But what I'm hearing more and every time you tell stories like this, I feel like to me, it's pointing to the same thing, to your capacity to care for this child and his complexity. Right. Whereas many adult figures don't have that kind of. Yeah. Don't have that kind of patience and space. Right. And they would be like, no, you cannot be like this. And the and and it would lead to separation, like go over there. Yeah. Go to timeout. But you're alone. Yeah. Whereas you're saying he's separate. But then you're coming and you're like, what's going on here? And you're looking at. So it's interesting how what you're saying is to me seems exactly like what is needed, right? There needs to be a care for this emotion. And so here it is being provided, right? There's a care that that stays close. But it makes me think of like when you're, you know, so you're you you grow, you've become, you know, bigger, perhaps, you know, you're 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 like more more intimidating than when you're a child, you know, muscles grow, the 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 man's body, you know, is 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 takes whatever its proportions are. And the anger is coming out when you're with your partner, let's say, and and 
and yet there's something there that needs care for, right? But if the anger is being directed towards your partner, that's not going to be the person that's going to be like, it's okay, you know, let's stay with this or whatever. Like, that's not what's going on. You know, there's so much fear around the angry man that, that there's, there, there is none of that. There's no space for that. And so there's, and so it's, it's just, it feels so interesting to, 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 to put those, those things together, like in terms of what, like, what do we need when we're, when we're angry? Often there is that, that relational need, you know, there is a need to be close. And it just so happens that the, the ways that these outbursts sort of, sort of come out would point towards the opposite as though it's, as though it's not a need to be close and be relational and have care and, 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 and connection, you know, you're yelling at someone and you're, and you're being, you know, you're being aggressive and, and hurting that other, that other being when probably at the base of that, there is something, there's a part of you that, that feels very vulnerable about the, the, the disconnect between you and that other person. I think in some kind of like backwards roundabout beating around the bush, taking the whole walk around the town way. Mm. That's what I was like trying to say. Is that like just giving this kid some time to feel and like validating that like, yeah, you're angry and that's okay. And just like giving him that time to like maybe calm his nervous system down, give him the tools to be able to self-regulate. And uh, again, that's what we're missing, right? We don't have the time or the patience for people or even the capacity to like help people to regulate themselves because we're so dysregulated. The hold space for that. Like I think, you know, what you were saying, Brent, about the needing that connection. It's like, it's so interesting because I think about that and my first reaction is like, oh, that's so embarrassing that I want connection when I'm angry. <laughs> like it's, I think there's so, at least for me, there's still some, like it's the shame around that. Like it feels so mm. embarrassing. Like, oh, like I'm, I'm a toddler throwing a tantrum when all I really want is a hug. Mm. And it's, yeah, are we ready to hold space for that? Are we ready to look at ourselves and and know that we need that and and express that? It's like, why is that so embarrassing? Why is that so gross? I don't know. <laughs> Vulnerability. Yeah. Are we back, back there again? It's ah, it's right every back time. There. It's back to that first episode all the uh, time. It's under everything. I swear we didn't have it on the bullets. <laughs> it was not meant to show up. No, but it, it always does, right? It always does. Yeah, I'm. I, it's making me think of the be a man, you know, which just the which sort of the the symbolism of that doesn't doesn't immediately go to to be, being close to someone else, mm. you know. Sort of feels like being alone on top of something <laughs> strong, mm. autonomous. Well, it kind of uh, we naturally just read and walked right into like that next bullet on the on the paper here about like. I don't know, I guess like roles and responsibilities, parenting, different things like that, because I seen this image once of like how our traditional society works here in Kahnawake with uh, the Nikahaga people. It's like the children, uh, no, sorry, culture and traditions are at the center. Children are just around it. Moms, dodas, aunts and aunts. And then the men are on the outside, like protecting everyone on the inside. And I was just looking at it and I get how it works. It's like a dynamic relationship of how it works. It was specifically a diagram to represent um, uh, the trauma with residential schools and how the government, that's how they infiltrated the systems. What do they start with? Culture and traditions. Mm -hmm. They took it away. What's next? Children. They took their children away. 
So then moms, uncles, aunts, everybody are just nobody. They're lost without the center fire burning. So it made me just really sad, though, remembering. I remember because they made us do this in a physical setting. Like some of us were kids. Some of us were this. And then they literally took people out of this circle. And it was like impactful. Everyone's crying. (laughs) Yeah, it's very powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the imagery was insane. But I just remember thinking like there's no one standing behind these men Mm -hmm. because they're all standing on the outside looking in and there's nobody behind them. So what you're saying, uh, there's a point that you had said that's related to this, what I'm talking about. Is that like as a man with these vulnerability issues, like not the shame and the guilt about feeling wanting connection? I could see how that like relates even to us. But I mean, like, I know that there's different symbiotic relationships within the way our structure works here with traditional roles and responsibilities. I I understand that there's a way that it works and it's about balance and all these types of things. But like, it's just it it made me sad to see that there's nobody behind the men. Mm. (laughs) And I'm wondering, like, (laughs) their role as a protector, as uh, the provider, supporters, the war chiefs, all these things, like it's a lot of responsibility. And uh, I could see how that that's like... (laughs) harder to find people to connect to when you have so much responsibility on your backs. And I'm sure like even in regular Canadian American society, it's the same way, right? It's like, it's not the same, same way, but men and women have different roles and men are seen as the providers as this and all that as well. So I could see how that's still difficult to find that connection to be able to say like, I'm feeling really angry, but I really just want a hug. Like all these like traditional gender society things don't allow for that to happen. And again, it comes back to vulnerability again, but there's no supports to allow men to have that moment of reprieve. Would that be the right word to use? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard. There's like that, that balance that, you know, I've heard described in the traditional context of, you know, the women caring for the men and the men receiving and caring for the women. And it's, yeah, you think about when that balance gets thrown off, it's like those ripples, you know, it like affects everything like you're describing. Yeah, (laughs) I I would even go as far to say that even women are dysregulated and unbalanced because like I already mentioned that I would feel so much guilt even just for expressing anger yeah in our journal where no one's seen it Mm -hmm. (laughs) i literally tore it up and destroyed (laughs) it because i was like god forbid anybody see that i was mad like so that right there we're also not expressing things in a healthy way or like in a way that allows us to process either so we're suppressing it so much that eventually when we do pop we're labeled already (laughs) yeah the word like disconnect comes to mind and and I'm still with that image that you described and and there's a sense of like how you know like this this sort of the outer circle you've moved there from the inner circle right I mean you were obviously once a child and you've moved yeah. through all of these things to come to the to come to that the outside in my and I wonder about about what has been allowed to stay connected and what hasn't been allowed to stay connected you know like we talk a lot about like inner child work or when we're dealing with things that are traumatic and and it's like they're they're in this sort of posture of the man that I was like talking about like at the top of something <laughs> alone you know I don't know what a top of something on a mountain you know, on the top of a mountain <laughs> you know Superman whatever pose, that's yeah. it you know it's like has there been a, a loss of contact with the child you know and not just the child that you're caring for but like because it's your child but your own you know your own child that has these 
same fluctuations of emotion like you're like you're describing that kid who you who you're talking about didn't stop having anger you no. know <laughs> I'm like no he did not <laughs> oh he's a wonderful 15 year old now <laughs> he's great uh but like but yeah the i'm going back to that that image of the circle and all the dynamics like with colonialism of course they literally took parts away so taking parts out of that circle is gonna create an imbalance and residential schools don't exist anymore but it doesn't mean that we have all those things put back in our circle just yet so like maybe like if you look at this thing as a whole it's beautiful but the second there's a loss now that's where i was like <laughs> it's really sad like it's a really if everyone anyone has a chance to go catch Susie Goodleaf with her multi-generational trauma go it's it's impactful but yeah for sure like there's all kinds of imbalances everywhere so how do you connect if there's something missing <laughs> like hundreds of years right Hun yeah. hundreds yeah. of years of of learning like the opposite of what's natural you know mm -hmm. and and that's not just going to go it's not just going to go away even if you even if you find the right things now you know the systems have still been conditioned to work with the absence of of what was supportive you know and what was right um so so it it like i sort of want to come back to what you were saying right at the beginning like just this there is something about being sensitized to like oh like this is actually okay for me to be feeling you know just like any other just like any other emotion it's actually okay like for this to be here it's okay for it's a, it's a natural a naturally arising uh you know activation in my in, in my body and it, it does it doesn't have to be scary you know it doesn't have to lead to like the things that i've seen it being led to towards myself or me even towards other towards other people it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen and yeah there's to me there's some there's some hope in that yeah and just having space for that that openness and like willingness to explore it and see where it's going rather than that sort of natural inclination i find that when there's that tension and that struggle between you know these systems and versus our values and the things that we want and then we have these charged feelings coming up in the middle of that and it's that that drive and that temptation to just run or explode or just not sit and not wait and not even just i think like investigate maybe is not the right word just sort of inquire openly like where you know what is this telling me what is this where is this feeling leading me you know i don't have to be dragged there like it's not sort of an ocean rip tiding me out i can just walk down this path and see where it's going yeah. And, and it's making me think what you're saying is making me think of the tools that have been put into place. And I don't know, this might be, <laughs> this might be a bit conflictual to say, but, you know, supporting aggression and violence amongst men, you know, putting those things out there as options that are okay for men to do feels like that is the work of the oppressor. You know, it's perfect. To, to keep people down, you know, if the men are being violent and hurting each other and hurting the children and hurting the women, that's 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 like the perfect plan to make this thing not work well. And and so there's there's the sense of that, you know, like it's just so easy to like just just want to get into a fight, you know, and mm -hmm. because there is some level of this is OK, mm. you know, it's then then that's going to that's going to calm that <laughs> that's going to calm that system down. It has that impact, you know. No, it will. It will actually allow the release. And then and then you don't have to deal with the... <laughs> 
what's the what's underneath part. Yeah, you don't have to look. Mm. Have you ever seen that movie Inside Out? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good movie. Another recommendation. <laughs> it's on Disney Plus. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah. But like the anger emotion. Mm-hmm. I, I love in that movie how that anger is just part of the team. Part of the team of keeping this little girl going. And it's it's... They all balance each other out. They're like, all right, all right, enough. Cue joy. <laughs> Cue <laughs> sadness. Cue. But well, in that movie, sadness is the one that like joy struggles with, right? Because it's mm-hmm. anyway, it's a really good movie. But to think of anger as a moving part and what makes us go is such a great way to look at it. So um, if we if we think about it in terms like that and that it's just a part of us that's here and it's a way to keep things moving <laughs> like that oppression or violence and aggression that it kind of kills that. Right. And I don't know if I'm explaining this very well. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like, you know, seeing anger not as this thing to expel and explode and just sort of like release upon things, but, you know, allowing yourself to use it as as like a force for doing something even more positive. I don't know. I think about like, you know, anger motivating to things at work or just even like change, like positive, you know, well, like social change yeah. comes from strong feelings. Yeah. So well, like there's yeah. all kinds of good things that come from strong. And, and just, yeah, it's like, you know, we're not these robots that are never going to have like that. Like you've been, we've all been saying that anger is there for a purpose, you know, whether it's a T-Rex or like an argument or something. I love the image. I love the T-Rex. Yeah. But, it's versus a chicken exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's it's teaching us it serves that purpose and it's you know it's motivating it's helpful it's just figuring out you know how do we hold space for that in a way that's sustainable i think that is the question of the day (laughs) that um we certainly can't give the one and all answer right like we that's you know the solution brian you didn't bring the wasn't it there's a pill for that i thought that was the there's medication for that (laughs) something But um, I think we will save that. I'm going to write it down in a second because I can't write and talk at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll save that for like the next conversation because I think that's a really good place for us to maybe start off with or try to explore a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that scary, was it? <laughs> we survived. <laughs> we survived. We survived. Um, I, yeah, I have to admit that like my, my nervous system was up there. Mm. <laughs> but it's all about survival, right? Like at the gym, what do we say? We say use those nerves, uh, transform them into like what you're doing. Focus. Mm. Use those nerves to focus. So I think that's what we did. I love that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you both for being on the show. Thank um, you. Thank you for having me. And we will end here for today. So Nyawa to the listeners. We will catch you next time. Bye. The views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of your DWSA and its employees.